All right, folks, here we are. Apparently, you guys didn't take our advice that we gave on our last episode of 2020. We encouraged you to not do anything crazy. So we had a really great podcast planned for you today, complete with a really great title for the episode. We were uh, going to answer an important question about China and globalization. We obviously had a lot of news to talk about, and you know, it's been three weeks, so we were, we were going to get into some uh, very interesting and important conversation about automation and the effects it will have on the economy. We had a detailed outline put together that we worked pretty hard on, and uh, all of that has now been pushed to next week, perhaps, so that we could address what I would say was one of the darkest days in American history yesterday, January 6th, when a right-wing insurrection stormed into the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. in an apparent attempt to overthrow the government or perhaps ignite some kind of coup. Uh, and this is the nature of doing a political podcast in the era of Trump, Jay. Sometimes your plans just go out the window. Certainly. So uh, we're not going to give you any kitschy bits today, no segments, no intro, no listener questions. We're uh, just going to fly by the seat of our pants here and uh, have a discussion about what went on yesterday and the implications for America, the world, and conservatism. Uh, what we will try to do is address some of the things you've probably not been hearing the media talk about, some of the more deeper issues. Uh, we're not really working off of our usual outline this week. Uh, we have nothing scripted, uh, or at least very little scripted. So next week, God willing, we will be back to our regularly scheduled programming. Sure hope so. Yes. Now, I say it was one of the darkest days in American history because it absolutely was. Uh, I don't know of any pundit in the country who is disputing that at this point. Uh, now, when I talk about dark days in my lifetime, obviously, I think about 9-11. I think about Sandy Hook. Uh, I think about yesterday, and I certainly put November 8th, 2016 in that category of extremely dark days. That was, of course, the day that Donald Trump won the presidency. And I remember specifically saying to my father that day that it felt like the darkest day to me since 9-11. Now, a lot of you may be thinking that sounds incredibly hyperbolic, especially if you voted for Trump. But the reason I felt that way on that day was, was that I knew in my gut that what happened yesterday was the inevitable conclusion of the Trump presidency. I just knew that this was how it was going to end and that it would be a slow decay of American ideals and values over four to eight years and that the rhetoric that I saw in the presidential campaign of 2015 and 16 would only get worse and would further divide the country and would ignite a dangerous war against the intelligentsia and you know would usher in an unprecedented, uh, at least in American history, anti-government, anti-elite movement that would not only end in a country that was more divided than any time in American history since the Civil War, but would also end in violence and death and despair. And I was exactly correct about that. And yesterday was all of our worst nightmares about a Trump presidency coming to life. Jay, what do you have to say about it? Well, as you said, this was not the show we wanted to do for you today. Uh, unfortunately, here we sit. Uh, I'm definitely going to struggle with the right words to use here when describing how I felt yesterday and still do. I probably felt and feel a lot like most of you. Shocked, disturbed, angered saddened. I'm sure we all haven't processed it fully. I feel terrible for the victims, the families, the people that actually lost their lives in this insurrection. That's what it was. 
I feel terrible for the congressmen and women, aides and staff who were actually in the building. It must have been incredibly scary. Then to muster up the courage to keep going later in the night in order to do their civic duty was very inspiring. Uh, but bottom line, this was the icing on the cake belonging to a madman that was disastrously and lamentably elected into the highest office in the land. He, he's a narcissistic egomaniac who time and time again, he put the interests of this country he was elected to lead absolutely last and his own needs and desires before everything. And not that he hasn't done it before, but he leapt over the line yesterday. The longest leap over the line, I think, in presidential history. He incited violence amongst his followers, the result of which is devastating on many levels. I don't know what to say about it other than that. As you said, it could be the or one of the darkest days in American history. Yeah. I know both of us received messages asking about when we would comment or when a podcast would be released because people wanted to hear from us on this. I'm grateful and appreciative of the platform we have. I know I say it all the time, but it rings true in moments like this because we get to have voices and an outlet to say what we think. And I want to take that for granted. So I thank you, the listeners, for that. But this is not about myself or you, Riz. This is about the horrific, disastrous criminal events of yesterday and its implications. So let's get into what happened. Yeah. So, you know, you guys over the last two days have had to endure watching the scenes from DC and how they played out over and over and over again on your network news. So we don't want to get too much into the minute by minute details. But Jay, you know, why don't we kind of run through a little bit of what happened and how it happened briefly? Yeah, I mean, the good thing about social media is that everything's pretty much documented these days. So we know that there's a, a timeline and the timeline goes back to December. I mean, Trump started tweeting about this rally back then. Yeah. And he started riling up his base about this rally back then because this date is written in the Constitution, January 6th. Everyone knew when this was going to happen. Yeah. So, you know, last week, all of these right wingers, you can see they were flying out to D.C. Backing up a minute, it was all predicated on the idea that the election was stolen. Completely. And, And not only was it that it was stolen, but that Mike Pence and Congress could do something. Mm -hmm. to overturn the election results, which is completely unfounded. Yeah, a lot of you guys have actually asked us, is there anything Mike Pence could do? The answer is no, constitutionally, absolutely not. And Mike Pence even uh, ended up saying that, which we'll get to in a little bit. There was nothing he was going to do. There was nothing he could do legally. And anyone who told you otherwise was either misinformed or lying to you. So it's just not true. Nothing he could do. And that was the problem. And that and that's all of this was predicated on the fact that he could do something and wasn't because he didn't want to. And nothing to do with that. There was there was sort of a conspiracy going on in the in the Trump verse that there was something up Trump's sleeve that he was going right. to save the day somehow. You know the belief in because well, it kept guy saying it. Like, yeah. So all of these right wingers flew out. We saw it all happening. People from all over, and then this rally happens as this starts to unfold in Congress. And Trump gives a speech, and we'll get into that in a minute, because there's a lot to unpack there. And I think, you know, I I know we have some clips to play and and some discussion to have about that. And then he basically leads this throng of people on a march down to the Capitol building. And, you know, he actually said that he'll go with them. He went back to the White House. Yeah. And they went on down there. And then you see this demonstration happen, and they didn't stop at the gates. They went straight on through. They broke straight into the Capitol. You, you saw Congress stop. I mean, I was watching it. Yep. You saw the stoppage of Congress. Um, and then it was pandemonium. I mean, the Were, you, the were images, you watching it live? I was. And the images, it was like stunning. It was stunning. I, I, I don't know what else to say about it than that. You know, it's, it's really interesting. I, I was watching it on CNN and I had, um, 
you know, I think it was right in the middle of Ted Cruz's speech. And I was very inundated with just what they were saying and the idiocy of the Republican Party and just sort of shaking my head. Um, mm-hmm. And they, they CNN kept cu- sort of cutting to outside the, you know, that there was a group of protesters and they were getting more and more vitriolic, I guess you could say. Yeah. And um, then all of a sudden, they were just reporting about the 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 yeah. protesters or the rioters. It became they became rioters at that. Yeah, point. see, I was watching C-SPAN. Love yeah. C-SPAN. They got okay. a lot of ratings yesterday. Did, was C-SPAN um, covering out what was going on outside? No, not at all. That's right. the okay. thing. Is I, yeah. I had very little idea what was going on outside. I didn't become mm-hmm. aware of it until it started to happen inside the building. Yeah, it just started to blow up, and then all of a sudden there was nobody talking, and it seemed like almost. You know, within minutes, the yeah, the walls were breached and people were coming into the Capitol. I mean, just storming into the building. Yeah, first you saw them sort of st- staying within the the lines, and then yeah. you know, about a couple seconds later, you saw them start to break windows. I mean, it just it started to escalate, and you, you right. saw it get worse and worse. Yeah, and there were people scaling the walls, and then obviously yeah. breaking windows, and then the violence really started to to happen. And mm-hmm. then they were cutting back to to Congress, where they were being escorted out. I mean, nothing like that has ever happened. Nothing like nope. that has ever happened. There have been bomb threats before, where mm-hmm. they had to to go. I mean, but if, if you see some of these pictures, I mean, it I was know. complete mayhem. It was mayhem. I don't think anyone, no one was in charge. Yeah, just absolutely despicable uh, behavior. My jaw was on the floor. Like, I just couldn't yeah. believe it. And it just happened so quickly. Like, yeah. it, it felt like we, like it escalated. It went from zero to, to 10 within like minutes, you know? Completely. And the images, uh, the, the gall of some of these people, yeah. what they were doing inside mm-hmm. and how disrespectful they were being to the building and to the history and to, yeah. I mean, all of it was like, it, it just was so overwhelming because you realize not only what was happening in the moment, but the implications that this has on the historical, uh, you know, just the American history. And we'll get into that right. later as well. Yeah. Um, but it was overwhelming because you, you take in all of that at once and it was yeah. insane. Now, again, you guys have seen all of the clips. You probably know what happened. But uh, long story short, and in, in, in I think a really true and incredible disp- display of American spirit, yeah. everyone got out of the building, and many, many hours la- later, um, Congress resumed. I love that they did this. It was, it was incredible. It was symbolic. It was yeah. inspiring. It, was, it could have waited to the next day, and they, I was like, totally. oh my gosh, how much coffee are they going to drink? Uh, but it was yeah, right. it was quite incredible. Totally symbolic, especially for a bunch of old people, very old yeah. people. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, and it's funny because we were, you and I were were texting each other and we were predicting that there was no way this was going to happen, which would have been, I think, the first time uh, in modern history, at least, that this process of counting the Electoral College votes didn't happen on the 6th of January. It's been delayed a couple a couple times for different reasons, but not, I don't believe in modern history. Right. So uh, anyway, um, it went on and Joe Biden was selected, but we want to go back now and really talk about what what spurred this whole thing, You know, what ignited everything. And you have to go back to the speech that Trump gave at his rally, um, which was really, again, like nothing we've ever seen, at least in modern history, a president give. Completely. And, and reminder, like when, when we listen to these clips, like mm-hmm. think about the fact that there are four dead, 70 arrested, 14 officers injured, mm-hmm. and two pipe bombs recovered. I just think it's yeah. important to keep the end in mind when you're listening to the beginning. And roughly, I think they said between 10 to 20,000 people were attending this rally. So yeah, it's not small. It's a pretty big music festival. Let's just call Indeed. it that. 
Um, so here is the first clip. This is Trump basically saying he's not going to concede. This is what that sounded like. All of us here today do not want to see our election victory stolen by emboldened radical left Democrats, which is what they're doing, and stolen by the fake news media. That's what they've done and what they're doing. We will never give up. We will never concede. It doesn't happen. You don't concede when there's theft involved. Our country has had enough. We will not take it anymore. And that's what this is all about. Uh, I'm going to get a little bit angry as I as I talk about this a little. You mind, Jay? When have I stopped you? Okay. So let's remember here that everything Trump is saying in that speech about a, quote, stolen election is a completely fabricated lie. There's literally no truth to it. It's unfounded. We are living, it's not even, I don't even think unfounded is the right word. It is just a bull-faced lie. It, it, it doesn't exist. It's nothing. Well, it went through how many, how many courts i'll get to that but we are living in an america that has by far the most conservative judiciary in modern history including a lot of judges that trump himself appointed and we have a supreme court that is certainly the most conservative in my lifetime in which trump appointed three justices every single judge that these baseless fraud allegations have gone before has thrown the case out because it lacked merit or any kind of substantial evidence. They didn't have any evidence for it. And because a conspiracy theory existing between hundreds of esteemed law professionals is simply outside the realm of something that's possible, all Trump is doing at that speech is telling lies, blatant lies, no shades of gray, no, well, you know, we don't know for sure, just lies. And one thing that is really pissing me off is both congressional Republicans and Trump supporters that I'm friends with on social media trying to make the claim that I somehow need to be sensitive towards the idea that they think the election was stolen. We keep hearing a group of of Republicans, mostly in the House, saying that if so many people believe there was a massive fraud we have to make you know make it into a thing. We have to make it into an issue and look into it. Well, so many people believe there was a massive fraud because you f- faces have made it into an issue when you knew it wasn't an issue. You did it for political purposes. You did it to appear loyal to Trump. And most egregiously, you did it to raise money for your own political campaigns, which was very successful for you, wasn't it? It's a scary situation, and you get to see that you get to see the effect of these people's words on America. Yeah. 39% of this country, that's almost half, believes that the election was rigged. That is not because there's any evidence of it. It's what you said. It's because right. people said it. Right. People in power said it. There's a responsibility there, if you're oh, yeah. in power, to not lie. So, yeah, I, I, I am not going to offer any sympathy or sensitivity towards millions of people who have been lied to expressly for the political agenda of the ones that were telling the lies. Not gonna happen. So let's move to the next clip. In this clip, and and let's remind everyone, this is moments before the rioting started. Trump is attacking the Supreme Court, and he says probably one of the more egregiously despicable things he has said during the four short years of his presidency. Go. I'm not happy with the Supreme Court. They love to rule against me. I picked three people. I fought like hell for them. One in particular, I fought. They all said, 
Sir, cut him loose. He's killing the senators. You know, very loyal senators. They're very loyal people. Sir, cut him loose. He's killing us, sir. Cut him loose, sir. I must have gotten half of the senators. I said, no, I can't do that. It's unfair to him and it's unfair to the family. He didn't do anything wrong. They're made up stories. They're all made up stories. He didn't do anything wrong. Cut him loose, sir. I said, no, I won't do that. We got him through. And you know what? They couldn't give a damn. They couldn't give a damn. Let him rule the right way. But it almost seems that they're all going out of their way to hurt all of us and to hurt our country. Yeah. uh, Sorry, dude. That's not how it works. And 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 this is Trumpism. Everything is about loyalty to him, not to the law. He doesn't give a about laws. He's not a law and order president. He wants Supreme Court justices that he stuck his neck out for to stick their neck out for him by undermining constitutional law. So for all you Trump idiots out there who think he's tough on crime or that he's pro-law enforcement, he'd throw all of you under the bus in a second if he asked you to break the law for him and you wouldn't do it. Yeah, that's the, bo- that's the bottom line. That's what he stands for. He of stands course. for supreme loyalty, nothing less. And the fact, this is the worst part of the speech, in my opinion. It breaks the republic. It is the worst thing he could have said in a democracy. He just doesn't, it shows that he doesn't understand how this works. Everything revolves around him. And the fact that he asked for this supreme loyalty, it's dictatorial. It's horrid. And he's doing it right now to his own VP, Mike Pence. Like yeah, he's, sure. he's doing that right now to him. You know, yeah. and that's not tough on crime. That's a mob boss and a one at that because at least mob bosses have enough sense to know they probably should ask people to break the law in private and not at a rally with 10,000 people so yeah the idea that he does all this out in the open doesn't make him virtuous it just makes him stupid like a lot of people are like trump says what he feels that that seems to be he he does everything out in the open he's not committing crimes like it's almost like he hides under the cover of the fact that he reveals his crimes to everyone. You know, it's, he, 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 again, he's not virtuous. He's just stupid. But are the last two clips that we just listened to, are they incitement? You bet your ass they are. That is the president of the United States furthering the already way too pervasive idea that there's an us and there's a them and them are bad and them can't be trusted. And if anyone in the us camp ever disagrees with us, then they're immediately part of the them crowd. It's an attack on our institutions. It's an attack on truth and reality. And it has created this fictional dystopia whereby the only virtuous and honest person in the world is Donald Trump himself. And everyone else is an enemy of the state. And that includes the Supreme Court and his own vice president, who he has attacked on Twitter. Whoever comes up, whoever gets in his way. It it could be anything. Anything, anybody. Right. Including you, because one thing you hear Trumpers say all the time, he really cares about us. No, he does. If you believe that, you have been had. You need to go get some lessons in how to spot a sucker, because it's ridiculous, okay? Now, moving on to the final clip. He tells his 10,000 plus supporters that we're going to move to the Capitol and cheer on the brave ones who are going along with his stupidity and shun the people who are actually going to fulfill their constitutional duty. Clip three, go. And after this, we're going to walk down and I'll be there with you. We're going to walk down. We're going to walk down anyone you want. But I think right here, we're going to walk down to the Capitol. 
And we're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen and women. And we're probably not going to be cheering so much for some of them. I'd say after listening to those clips, it's hard to make the argument that Trump himself didn't incite what ended up happening at the Capitol. But wait, there's more. Before marching off to the Capitol, the president's own attorney, Rudy Giuliani, suggested this. So, let's have trial by combat. Trial by combat. So tell me again how Trump and his goons didn't incite the violence that took place. There's no one dumber on, dumber on the planet than Rudy Giuliani. Right. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> now, I recognize that there are crazy people who do crazy things all over the place, some on the political left, some on the political right, and some with no political affiliation at all. Believe it or not, not everything is about politics. So I'm careful about assigning blame to politicians or anyone for that matter who has followers that do crazy shit. For instance, when the Bernie Sanders fan shot up the congressional baseball game a few years ago and nearly killed Steve Scalise, remember that, Jay? Yeah. Uh, That was not Bernie's fault. Right. That was not Bernie's fault. The shooter was upset that Republicans didn't want to give him free health care. And that concept of free health care is something that he likely got from being a big fan of Bernie. But Bernie never said you should all have free health care, so I suggest that you go out and find Republican politicians who don't want to give you free health care and kill them. You know, Bernie never said anything like that. Likewise, when Charlottesville happened and a girl was run over, despite Trump's despicable comments after the event, I didn't blame Trump for her death because some white nationalists slammed into her with his car and it, Trump didn't say that you should do that. That wasn't his fault. But in this case, the rhetoric coming from Trump was very specific. He said, quote, you will never take our country back with weakness. Washington is being inundated with people who don't want to see an election victory stolen by emboldened radical left Democrats. Our country has had enough. They won't take it anymore. Now, they won't take it anymore. What does that mean? It's not that they won't take it anymore. So we're going to. So they're going to cast their ballot at the voting booth. The election is over. They won't take it anymore. Sounds a lot to me like we're at the end of our rope and the only way to save the republic is by force. And that's a little different than normal political discourse or even bad mouthing your political opponents because they don't support your agenda, which happens all the time. That is as close to incitement as you can get. Jay, do you agree? Yes, I do. He needs to be held responsible for what happened after that rally. It's his mm-hmm. rally. He spoke. His his crony spoke after him. Yeah. Now, we have an attorney coming on later because, you know, neither Jay and I, I work in the legal industry, but but I'm not an attorney. Neither is Justin. So we wanted to get real legal advice as to if there is criminal culpability. You know, the news has been talking about it all day today. Um, can he be held criminally responsible? I think it's uh, it's yelling fire in a crowded room. What he did, it's it's tantamount to that. I really, I really do think he should be held responsible for inciting what happened and the fact that how many people died, Jay? Did we find out? I've seen reports for four, and I've seen reports for five. I, I believe it's four, but we're, we're not really sure. Right. Okay. So what's next? I mean, why, why do we believe this is such a massive and scary problem? Like, w- what is going on here, Jay? Well, I, this event will 
absolutely go down in history as a notable event. And consider how horrible something has to be in order for that to happen. It sets us back on so many levels. And it feels like we're moving backwards now instead of forwards. Things aren't getting better, they're getting worse. And as far as the big picture of where this is placed in the history books, think about what you learned in American history, whether that was in grade school, high school, or college. These goings-on right now are events that go next to events that happened at the birth of our country, the things you studied in textbooks. We're literally calling on the founders of America now in a way we haven't had to do in a very long time, maybe not ever. So I don't know what this means. Is this the end of our republic or is this just a challenging time? Either way, we are, we are living through an incredibly significant time in American history. There's a weight that comes with that knowledge. and makes everything heavier and weightier. And I think it's important we understand and feel that weight with each decision that's made in Washington by each of our elected officials. And these moments yeah. in time, they, they will have implications that will last 100 years or more. Yeah. And I don't know that we're all acting like this is the case. And I would implore people to do that more before they vote or before they send something out on social media. I mean, this is a weighty event in American history. You know, I, I did I did a good amount of research because I wanted to be accurate in this. I wanted to see if um, anything like this has ever happened before. And again, in modern history, you know, we don't know everything that went on before the records were as good as they are now. But no, nothing has ever been like this. I mean, there has been times when, um, uh, you know, people have have slammed on the doors. Uh, uh, protesters have slammed on the doors of, of Supreme Courts in certain states for decisions they didn't like, mm -hmm. um, surrounded the building, protested, maybe got a little too rowdy. But there has never been a case of an insurgence that made their way into the Capitol building, you know, probably the most important building in our entire country, right? I mean, it's where every, well, everything's done. For sure, it's where the laws are made. Right. And took over the building, essentially. Yeah. You saw the images with the guns drawn of the, the police in there, you know, to stop people from coming in and actually, God knows what they would have done if they had actually gotten a hold of any of these Congress people. I mean, it's just, it's terrifying. That's the scariest thing to me is that these people were, because of this, the speech that Trump gave, they were holding right. the people that were not going along with Trump responsible for him losing the presidency because everyone thought that this moment in time was the last moment where he could win. Right. Which it wasn't, right. obviously. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and my thought, I thought the same thing that you did, uh, you know, God forbid they get a hold of someone who they deem responsible. I mean, like the Bernie Sanders thing, it could be very scary. Right. And, and we saw that guy who made his way into Nancy Pelosi's office. Oh, I, I mean, know, put his feet up put on his, the desk. Put his feet and, on the desk, yeah. took pictures of her computer, apparently took stuff off her desk. Yeah. Uh, now we're hearing that there could be national security stuff that was taken yeah. out of that building. God only knows. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just a nightmare. It is a it horrendous is. Is. nightmare. One of the, probably the worst day in politics in modern history. Oh, for sure. I completely agree. I mean, they're the only two things I could find that were anywhere close to this, which probably, they, I mean, not probably, they were nothing like this at all. When Andrew Jackson was in office, who was right. a populist, he was an outsider to Washington, much like Trump, and his supporters felt that same kind of kinship with him. Mm -hmm. And so he had his inauguration, and he actually invited people to an open house at the White House, which is a tradition started by Jefferson. But because of Jackson's following, he ended up with 20,000 people at the White House. And it turned into a mob and a whole bunch of damage occurred. And they ended up luring people out by placing a great deal of alcohol on the front lawn. And so eventually <laughs> in 1885, they turned it into a parade instead of an open house. Not anywhere close to a direct comparison, no. but I thought it was an interesting anecdote considering yeah. his popularity with his supporters, sort of how they felt that they could bust in. There you go. That the closest thing I, I would say to this would be the War of 1812, which you're hearing a lot about in the media. 
and that that in retaliation for America's burning of the Canadian capital at York. Okay. British troops marched to D.C. And again, this is not a country's own people. This is the British right. troops went to D.C. to burn the city down. The building itself, the Capitol building, was still being constructed. It was August 24th, 18, 1813. They set fire to multiple rooms in the Capitol, including the Library of Congress, the House, the Senate Chamber, and the Supreme Court. Luckily, the architect used fireproof building material, so the exterior structure survived. That's what we have now. And the destruction that did occur, unfortunately, included the melting of glass skylights and carved stone because the fires were so hot, which actually caused the British soldiers to flee, which saved a great deal of the structure. Included in that carved stone that melted was Giuseppe Frizzoni's life-sized marble statue of liberty uh, seated on a pedestal located above the speaker's rostrum. Over 3,000 books in the Library of Congress and art in the Senate chamber burned as well. And that was the last time the Capitol was breached until yesterday. So, I mean, again, I talk about the weight of this, this kind of thing, you know, 1813 and yesterday. Yeah. Well, that was sort of like your pseudo buzz history for a very depressing episode on a <laughs> for a very depressing American episode for sure. Yeah. yeah. So we have a real treat for you today. People are throwing the word treason around pretty heftily. And at DTM, we always want to make it a focus to dive deeper so that you are never misinformed. In order to work out whether this actually is or isn't treason, we've enlisted the help of a wonderful friend of mine, a major in the Army Reserve JAG Corps, former captain in the Army JAG Corps, a lawyer of immense experience, former congressional intern and legislative aide, wonderful father, and actual true patriot, please someone urge him to run for something, Greer Illingworth. Greer, thank you for taking the time to be with us tonight. I know you've had a busy day and we completely sprung this on you, but what we saw yesterday was obviously horrific. We've been discussing it. Um, and as a lawyer, an army major, and a patriot, in your professional opinion, was what we saw yesterday treason? Was it a coup? What was it? The media is flinging all sorts of words around, and we need some help clearing this up for our listeners. Oh, well, thanks, thanks, Justin and Rob, for having me. It's a real treat. Uh, first and foremost, I would I want to say that everything I say is personal and certainly not a government endorsed position. And certainly I'm not speaking in my official capacity. I'm speaking, I'm speaking as, a, as, a, as a citizen who cares and has had some uh, experience with this area of law. So to get right into it, I think we have to be very careful with the rhetoric around this type of thing. Because when you start using words like treason, those are very specific definitions and very particular purposes under the law. And I think it's important for us to really understand the word treason and, and what it means when prosecutors are using it in court. Right. Treason is a unique offense, and its uniqueness is well illustrated by the fact that it's the only crime that is expressly defined in the Constitution. There is no other crime that gets a special treatment like treason does. Wow. So you have to kind of ask yourself, why did the framers think it was important to put treason in the Constitution? And why not just treat it like any other crime where a statute is passed and... The legislature decides what's a crime, and then prosecutors enforce it based on that statute. Why is it in the Constitution? The reason is the framers were looking back at England and their, the experience of their ancestors and seeing how the kings and queens of old England would use treason as a political tool to silence opposition. And so the reason it's in there is not so much them saying treason's really important, which it is, but they're really saying we need to guard against the historic use of treason 
to silence political opposition. And so, in fact, when you, if you ever geek out, like I tend to do in these things sometimes, and want to read some of the debates in the Constitutional Convention, the only thing they talk about in the Constitutional Convention when it comes to treason is how terrified they are that this could be used uh, and abused. And so that's why when you read this section of the Constitution, it is very narrow and it has all kinds of bells and whistles attached to it to be successful in bringing it. Right. And in fact, uh, I, I looked this up today. I, I didn't even realize this, but in the 230 plus years of our country's existence, how many people do you think have been prosecuted for this offense? Regular citizens or government officials? Anyone. Anyone, I would say. Many, I would think at least. 25 people have been prosecuted under this specific constitutional provision Total. in the history of its existence. 25. That's unbelievable. Wow. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. That, that's really surprising. So in short, you wouldn't say what happened yesterday, even if you believe that President Trump, let, let's say you are going to say that President Trump incited this insurrection and inspired these people to march to the Capitol building and break in. If that was true, assuming that was true, you don't believe that's treason. You're speaking of the president committing treason or the people that broke in? The president himself. Well, let's 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 look at the language of the provision. So there's there's two ways that you can commit treason. You can levy war or you can adhere to the enemies of the United States giving them aid and comfort. So the second one's out because that is for external threats. And I mean, that, that's like in, in World War II, there was some case law where people were helping Nazis uh, sabotage manufacturing in America and things of that sort. Yeah. But so what we're really looking at is whether he has been levying war against his own executive branch <laughs> or right, his own federal right, government. Right. Um, so there's, there, there's one major case that gets into what it means to levy war. And this comes from way back in 1807 um, with, a, with John Marshall was the chief justice. And this is actually a fascinating story. Aaron Burr decided he wanted to start his own country. And he went off to uh, the wilderness in Ohio and started conspiring with a group of people to decide he wanted to go and create his own republic in New Orleans. And so he was plotting this thing with a bunch of conspirators. And and it got it got out and he got they got discovered and he had to end up he ran off to London for five years. Wow. And this case went forward and when they were prosecuting these conspirators and the Supreme Court um, looked at it and ultimately decided they did not commit treason. Interesting. And the reason they didn't commit treason was because they had only conspired. They hadn't actually taken mm. a concrete action. So they had not had not assembled an army. They had not marched on New Orleans. No shots had been fired. So they made a very clear decision that to be treasonous, you have to do something. You have to physically attack. Yeah, it needs to be right. Attacked. You can't just have the intent to do it. There has right. you have to actually do it. Wow. Yes, interesting right. bit of history too. So I, I don't think uh, based on that pretty high standard, I don't think you could say uh, President Trump meets that. I, I think it's it's a more interesting question on whether. The protesters who are the or the rioters, depending how you want to describe them, whether they were levying war. Right, because they did physically march on the Capitol. Right. right. I was going to say, I don't think, I wouldn't say that's treasonous. I think it's just criminal. But again, there are, but my, my issue and why we have Greer here is because a lot of the media is, they, they are saying that there's treason there and they yeah. are throwing those words around. And so I think it's important mm -hmm. to inform 
our listeners uh, as to you know whether that could be the case. Well, the big three words, yeah, the big three words we've heard is treason, insurrection, and coup. Was this a coup attempt? Yeah, I, I don't know a lot about the particular laws on coups, but I do know that sedition is probably the best path to go if I was a prosecutor in this. Yeah, sedition is the fourth word I was going to say is has uh, is, been used a lot. Yeah, and so and there's there's actually a, a statute. It's called conspiracy to commit sedition or seditious conspiracy, and, and it's very broad in what is considered sedition. And one of the definitions that falls under this statute is. If you disrupt any federal legislative body from passing or enforcing a law, you have committed sedition. And this has been used successfully a ton since it went into being. Within our lifetimes, like in the early 2000s, late 90s, there was a lot in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. There, uh, Puerto Rico had a, a big independence uh, movement, and a lot of Puerto Ricans were prosecuted under this for trying to conspire to break away from the United States. So there's a lot of precedent there. Mm-hmm. And it's been a successful precedent. Mm-hmm. So do you think that Donald Trump, president of the United States, is guilty of, of sedition? <laughs> I would pose it a better way. Okay. To what degree is President Trump legally responsible, if at all, for what happened, in your opinion? Perfect. He, he's always the guy who, who, who uh, has a more measured tone than me. <laughs> I have to admit, I did not listen to the speech he gave at the rally around the Washington Monument before they marched on the Capitol. Right. But I did hear what he said afterwards. And everything he said afterwards was essentially telling people to, to stop mm-hmm. and to leave, disperse and be peaceable. And I haven't seen the transcript or listened to his speech before, but I would, I would be surprised if he ever used any rhetoric like, it's time for us to stop them from certifying this vote today. He never, you know, Trump never explicitly says the things that he wants to happen. You know, he always sort of has his Trump code. But he did send down a tweet saying, this is what happens when, you know, an election is stolen, blah, blah, blah. So it's very hard to sort of, Trump, Trump is a very slippery criminal. It's hard, it's hard to paint crimes on him. There's two questions, right? There is, what did he do um, in the practical, and what can you legally hold him to? Right, and exactly. that's yeah. why we're speaking to a lawyer. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> because they're two, so a lot of times they're two very different things. Yeah, yeah and, and, and there, there's an element with, with prosecution, which is always very um, uh, discretionary. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the question here is, even, even if you can establish a tent, that that was his intention there, right. which I think is a, is, a, is a huge stretch, even if you could establish that intent, does the country want to embroil itself in that kind of thing? Yeah. And, and you'll see that you saw that happen with Gerald Ford after Watergate when he pardoned Nixon. And yeah, there could have been trials sure. all the time going after Nixon for what happened. But Gerald Ford wanted to move on. heal the nation, move on. He had the famous line or the great nightmare is over and, and move forward. And if the Biden administration and the new attorney general, Merrick Garland, want to start prosecuting a former president months after he's left office for something like this. That's just a recipe for even more unrest. Yeah. And so I think there's, there's a discretion is the better part of valor with much of this, um, even if you had a slam dunk case, which I think is highly debatable. Right. I have two more questions for you. Number one, do you think Donald Trump is going to finish the remainder of his term the next two weeks? Number two, do you think he will pardon himself on the way out, which is another thing that we're hearing a lot in the media? 
I, I have no idea. I, I do. I, I listened to a speech this afternoon from the Rose Garden, and I thought it was really well done. And I think that I think that pacified whatever concern there was within his administration about what was happening. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not going to make predictions, but I, I do think that what he did today was a really positive step. Yeah. And I think that I think the country is now hopefully moving to a point where we could have a peaceful inauguration and start moving forward uh, in, in a good way. OK. Is it possible to pardon yourself as president? Do you know anything about that? Oh, gosh. I it's certainly unprecedented. Yeah. And it's never been litigated. Right. Either. So it is a complete that's something that will. <laughs> It'd be fascinating. I, I, no, I don't think anyone knows the answer. I think that ultimately that will be something that if he does do that, and again, if the Biden administration wanted to challenge it or some really aggressive U.S. attorney in a district wanted to take, take it, challenge it, that would be something that probably went all the way to the Supreme Court. It's certainly unprecedented. I hope it happens just because I'd like to see, I'd be fascinated to see what happens, but. <laughs> yes. Uh, Greer, we appreciate you so much. Thank you for coming on the show and spending time with us. We will absolutely have you back, something Please. I'm very excited for, because you are the most informed historian I know, uh, as evidenced <laughs> by your Aaron Burr story. You should look it up. I'm definitely going to. That's exactly what I'm going to do after this. Do you have any parting words for our listeners? Um, you know, I will say, just going back to the treason matter, that no one since 1954 has been prosecuted on this. So I think we should all be very careful yeah. Yeah. about throwing these words around. Yeah. And, and I, some of the rhetoric you're hearing from everyone on both sides right now is just absolutely out of control. And right. we need to be much more circumspect because um, it's, it's way too emotional right now. And we need to, we need to be a little more calm. Well, what is it we always say? What's kind of the motto of this show, Jay? Calm the hell down. That's <laughs> yes. it. <laughs> everyone That's right. just needs to calm down. Yeah. 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 And, and to that point, I'll say like some of the examples where treason arguably was the greatest, the American civil war, um, Lincoln, decided not to pursue legal action against any of the Confederates. Yeah, and then right. Andrew Johnson pardoned all of them. And that was all in the interest of the nation finding a way to continue to exist together. And when you're a nation founded on ideas like America is, and not a tribe yeah. or a particular like, ethnic yeah. group, when it's just yeah. people that have come together under a shared notion of what is to be an American, you have to have that kind of grace. Otherwise, the thing's just going to break apart. Amen. It'll be an interesting next few months to see how it all plays out. So thank you again, Greer. I really appreciate you coming on. All right. Thanks so much. So yeah, let's talk uh, about the conspiracy theories that popped up almost immediately. You know, most of them were right-wing conspiracies egged on by right-wing media and even a few members of Congress that this was Antifa and wasn't Trump supporters. They were all actors, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got text messages Almost immediately. It was actually scary how fast. Yeah. 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 No, the narrative takes hold very, very quickly. Now, Fox even put out a report suggesting that facial recognition software had identified some of the people rioting as Antifa. That turned out to be completely false. And Fox actually issued a retraction after getting sued, I guess, from the facial recognition. Yeah. The company themselves had to put out a statement. Yeah. It was was a big thing and it happened very quickly. Right. Mm -hmm. Completely untrue. Uh, But it just goes to show how quickly people jump in their corners and start to look for their narrative. Right. I just want to address one thing first before we talk about the larger picture of of Mm -hmm. of the conspiracies, because a a lot of the evidence that I was sent was the photo of this ridiculous looking guy in a horn cap. A lot of people made Jamiroquai references. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I know the the point you're going to make, and this is a good point. Listen up. Yeah. So one photo was clearly from the Capitol yesterday. 
Yeah. The other photo, which is they were presented side by side in a couple of the text messages I got, it was just him in a similar outfit somewhere else, right? The photo could could have been from anywhere, even though people were, were claiming at the time it was from a BLM protest in Arizona. You couldn't even make out a cactus in the shot. It was just a yeah. close up of the guy in similar a similar outfit. So right. finally, we found we found out the identities of all these guys in the photos, right? Mm-hmm. This particular guy with the horns and the fur, yeah, who everyone was claiming was like a Starbucks, you know, uh, barista. Right. Yeah. He was at the BLM protest in Arizona, but he was there to protest against BLM. He's QAnon yeah. publicly. He's QAnon. Yeah, and, I'm going to get to that in w- a minute. So keep yeah, going. and he was without yeah. a doubt in the Capitol to support Trump, along with the mm-hmm. other people who are identified in these photos. They all have very yeah. clear histories of supporting Trump publicly on social media. Yep. And again, you want to bring evidence, bring it. I'm game to have a conversation. I'm sure you right. are too. Come with baseless theories, and there's nothing mm-hmm. to talk about. The myth well, was busted. I- it, it, it was busted, and it just goes to show, dude, like, people send these memes out, and yeah. there'll be those two pictures, no evidence at all. This is the picture of him in Arizona, where yeah. we, we have no idea. We're just taking their the memes' word for it. And How it stupid so are we? And How stupid are we? And, P- yeah. and people buy it. I saw that meme, must have been 80 times yesterday, sure. from some of my right-wing friends from Facebook, all mm-hmm. claiming this was definitive proof he was Antifa, yeah. because we've seen two different pictures of him. The yeah. two pictures could have been the same day, for all we yeah. know. Sure. I mean, and it's just, anyone could make that up. This is the danger of the internet. I mm-hmm. love the internet. I'm a big technology freak. But this is what it has done. Is it's it a social has dilemma. Enabled- it's, that, yeah. it's that documentary, go watch mm-hmm. it if you haven't. It outlines this perfectly, the social dilemma on Netflix. It's the danger. Yeah, yeah I haven't watched that yet. I got to put that oh, on the list for sure. It. Yeah. But so it turns out that a lot of the people were indeed white supremacists. A lot of them were QAnon members, as Jay just mentioned. And the girl that was killed, um, who was actually shot, I think, in the neck by the, by the, uh, the, the, the Congressional Police Department, um, she was QAnon as well. Now, I wish we had done our long fabled conspiracy theory episode at this point. So we would have had, uh, mm-hmm. we would have had a deep dive behind, uh, you know, behind us uh, about conspiracies. But since we haven't, I do want to talk a minute about groups like QAnon and how they interact with so-called regular non-crazy Trump supporters. Cause this is where we're getting, going to get into some deeper stuff here because QAnon has a large membership estimated around 300,000 by the FBI. But obviously there are a lot of people who support Trump that think QAnon is nuts, right? Like most Trump supporters don't support QAnon. Most Correct. aren't in that group. So because of this, I'm always very careful to not attach insane movements or conspiracy groups to an individual president, because I don't think a president can control who decides to support him or her. For instance, I am radically pro-legalization of all drugs. I have my reasons for this that we'll talk about in another episode. In fact, it was going to be next week's episode. Now it's going to be two weeks from now. Uh, But I assume that if I were to run for president because of my stance on drugs, I'd have all sorts of single-issue weirdos that would (laughs) likely be behind my candidacy, right? now. And I wouldn't want people to be like Rob Leifer, who's running for president, has huge support from crackheads all over the country. And therefore, that must mean he's pro crackhead. Right. So it's why I have er, I I have argued, uh, you know, on this very show against the idea that Trump is a is a racist or a white nationalist and people who have pushed, I probably got more pushback on that than anything else I've said. And the people who have pushed back on that have said, well, he has the support of white nationalist groups all over the world. And this is true. 
That is true. White nationalist groups love Trump. Absolutely true. But Trump talked a lot in his campaign about immigration. And there are a lot of non-racist, non-white supremacists who care deeply about the effects of immigration. I happen to be one of them. And there are also a lot of white supremacists who care deeply about it as well. So in other words, there's crossover there. Mm -hmm. And just because white nationalist groups have attached themselves to Trump because of his stance on immigration, maybe, doesn't mean that Trump himself is a white nationalist or that every single person who supports him is as well. It's not a guilty by association kind of thing just because white nationalists like him. But, and there, there's, there's, there's always a with that said yeah. when, I, when I get on, yeah, uh, on a roll gotta, like you this. Think yeah, yeah. When, I, when I make these kind of points, there's always a, 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 a with that said. But when the president winks and nods at the white nationalists and winks and nods at the QAnon people, then it becomes a lot harder to defend the president with the theory that I just outlined. And it becomes a lot harder for me to respect people who choose to support him. QAnon is a group that believes that Democrats run a Satan-worshipping child pedophile ring. That is not only stupid, it's evil. And Trump said about them, quote, Let me just tell you, what I do hear about it is that they are very strongly against pedophilia. And I agree with that. I think they are very patriotic. That is what he said about them. That is a green light to groups like QAnon to take things to the next level because they're getting direct acknowledgement from the most powerful man in the world instead of condemnation. And it should be a red light to all the supposed normal Trump supporters to say, you know, we're not down with this. QAnon is a sick, ridiculous group of losers who don't represent conservatism and certainly don't speak for me. The fact that Trump praises the group is disgusting and immoral, and I'm therefore withdrawing my support for the Donald Trump presidency. But that never happens, Jay. It never happens. This is something that never happens, and it's the reason that I could have a podcast with you, Jay, and not a lot of other conservatives, because you are an example of a conservative who was willing to say that kind of stuff about Trump from the very beginning and who recognized the dangers of Donald Trump. And when I hear the excuse from non-crazy Trump supporters that, well, you know, politics is nuanced and often a binary choice. It's like, no, we can have policy-related disputes. We can have differences of opinion on tax rates and a myriad of other things, but we should all share one opinion on something that is evil. And Trump's support of these deeply evil groups is indeed evil as well, and it has led to what we saw yesterday at the Capitol. And I cannot have respect for anyone politically who isn't willing to call that out. Jay, anything to add? Yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying. I, I, I do think that it's, it's an interesting conversation to, to be had because, and I think we're going to get into this a little bit later, but, you know, uh, to what degree do you hold those people responsible for him? And I think that I, I'm split on it. I, you know, you, we've had conversations about this in the past week. And it's it's a difficult thing to assess, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, for me, I just cannot at this point, after all we've seen for Trump, the people mm -hmm. who are like, well, he did do some things that I like. And I'm going to get to this in, in a little bit. But, yeah. I, and really go into detail of how I think about this. But 
it's just I think we're way past oh, that. Oh, we are I, no, no no, we are way past that now. I'm really referring yeah. to when this whole thing started and that right. was something you heard a lot from you know uh not insane Republicans. Yeah. Right? right, you did hear that. Well, his policies are okay, and it's four years, and blah blah blah. Right. Um, as things went on, and, and by the way, look, it's unfortunate that it's taken this much to get them there. But I've heard from a number of of people that I know that are Trump yeah. supporters and are now completely jumping off yeah. that bandwagon. And but let me ask you a question, though, Jay. You're a conservative. Mm-hmm. You've been a Republican your whole adult life. Yeah. Why were you? What made you different than the regular base that you were able to, from the very beginning, mm-hmm. say like this guy is dangerous? I'm 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 not I'm not a, a Trump guy. Why were you so? Because because I have seen and mm-hmm. we both know people like this, yeah, yeah, who would not would, would call out every stupid story about wokest leftism yeah, sure. on, on their social media, mm-hmm. but will not even touch mm-hmm. any of the egregiously morally despicable things that Trump has done. What makes you different? I, I honestly don't know. I mean, my father has been the same way from the very beginning mm-hmm. of this. And maybe that's because he did business with him. And maybe that colored my perspective of it. Yeah. That, the same but, way as you, you mean, your father. Th- yeah. Because, yeah. well, I know the stories from him. And, right. And, 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 and maybe it was that. And I always knew how uh, horrid he was yeah. in, in the business world when he did a deal and yeah. he, when he didn't get his way. Yeah. And, and you know you assess a guy's character i I honestly don't know i it's it's i don't know what it is it just i you know what i think from the get it was just i I don't think that this person should be our president he doesn't seem as unelectable as most presidential candidates can be he always seemed someone who was very dangerous to me because of his character i I, I don't know why i thought that or why i said it but it's what i felt Right, right. I think that's part of it. But I have another, I have a further hypothesis and I might okay. be off, off base here, but mm-hmm. we are both musicians, which, mm-hmm. or at least we were, which makes us by, by nature, probably more rebellious than most people. And Matt Sorum told of, me that I'm, I'm always a drummer. So you are always a guitar player. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, props to Matt Sorum. Um, yeah, we, uh, maybe musicians have a little bit more of a rebellious spirit that, and I think it's more of a spirit to not um, to march by the beat by uh, of our own drummer, to not mm-hmm. toe the line of everyone else, and maybe yeah. that's why I'm able to be a liberal, but not toe all the leftist sure, uh, you garbage. Do, you stuff. do the same and, thing on, on the left. I mean, right, you know. and and I think you do the same thing on the right. Whereas yeah. a lot of people who are involved in politics and sort of enmeshed in um their political philosophy, a lot of times that's generational, passed down from generation. Sure. They don't want to say anything to upset their family and Mm -hmm. because the opinions on Trump are so strong, I think people are really scared about going against their tribe where I think you and I, just because we've always been sort of against the tribe of of our generation, whoever it was, whether it was friends in high school, all of our friends went to liberal arts schools and we went to music school. You know, I think we're just like, I don't give a what you think. Like I'm going to say what I want, you know? And that's, that's maybe that's part of it also. Perhaps, perhaps. Okay, so uh, moving on, um, I want to talk a little bit about global implications of this yeah, whole thing. Yeah, very important here. Because the world is watching, as, mm-hmm. as you all know. Um, yeah, so there was a, uh, a great tweet from Ben Rhodes, who was uh, one of Obama's guys, um, who said, uh, Putin didn't want sanctions relief. He wanted this. And oh, sure, that, yeah. that's that's oh, yeah, 100%, that. 100% true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, the idea that... Uh, 
that Putin was just out to get you know sanctions relieved by the Trump administration. No. This is exactly what he wanted. Yeah, and the same thing well. China as well. I was just yep. a, you just you spoke the words I was I was about to speak. Uh <laughs> China uh, not, and not just China, North Korea, yeah. any uh, yeah. country around the world that is an adversary, Iran, all of them mm-hmm. are laughing their asses off as they watch this, as they want to see democracy crumble, especially the greatest democracy the world has ever seen. Yeah. They love the idea of watching a political group attached to the president of the United States break into one of the most sacred buildings in the mm-hmm. country. I mean, that, there's nothing that makes Putin happier. He is literally, I guarantee you, he is sitting back with his feet up, watching the footage over and over again. For sure. It's incredibly embarrassing for us. It's, it it, is. And, and this does have so much global implications. I, I, I do think that this, uh, that Putin and China, uh, but, or I should say Russia and China, have very much succeeded in... Um, planting enough propaganda in this country, whether it's on social media or just interfering with our election process mm-hmm. to the point where these things have all been exacerbated. I'm not saying it's 100% their fault, but their influence has helped move this whole process along of, of, of us becoming insanely divisive and just hating one another. The irony is that we do this to other smaller countries. Yeah, yeah. To uh, you know, unseat someone who shouldn't be in power, whatever, whatever, to, to to whatever end. We do this to other countries, and we couldn't even see it coming. Or if we did see it coming, which some people did, we couldn't even do anything about it. I mean, that's a sad fact. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and I think uh, you know we're supposed to be watchdog of the world. How? how now? Yeah, I know. You know, it's I very, mean, it's you, incredibly embarrassing. I'm sure yeah. places like England are are are. You know, not laughing at this, but how do you take America seriously after something like this is going on? Well, it's funny. You know, you see the leaders around the world that have the the stones to sort of condemn Trump. Um, yes, Boris Johnson. Boris is not Johnson one of them. was not one of them. Yeah, uh, you know, that was you know his, his Trump's friend. It, it's the same thing. Even the the global leaders understand what Trump is, mm-hmm. and as long as he's president, they don't want to say anything bad about him because if you're on his bad side, you're on his bad side. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's it's just a very peculiar thing, the whole thing. And you know, Boris Johnson has Trump tendencies to begin with, but uh like the hair. Yeah. No, I I I want to talk about the political implications mm-hmm. of all this. Now, you know, you me and uh editor-in-chief Clay Cogman, um who we talk about a lot and who we've had on the show before, uh texted about this a little bit last night, but I, I want to talk a little bit about what this event does for conservatism and more importantly how the left will react to conservatism in general moving forward since it is so intrinsically tied to Trump now mm-hmm. and since the whole thing culminated in this event at the Capitol yesterday but before we before we even get there yeah. on a, a little bit more of a practical level Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a question for you because we know sure. that, that some Congress people reversed their stances on objecting last night after the violence. Right. Yeah, Kelly Loeffler, yeah. Steve Daines, James Langford, Kathy mm-hmm. McMorris Rogers. Yeah. What becomes of Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz yeah. and Rick Scott and Tom Cole, Kevin McCarthy? That massive list. Does this now hurt them? Does it stick to their record that they weren't swayed by 
the fact that the president went this far over the line, especially because this wasn't ever going to do anything last night. It was always a head fake for Trump so that yeah. they could ma- maintain his base in case that you know they decided to run or in case he remained the head of the party. What happens to them, in, in your opinion? Yeah. And raise money, by the way. I mean, oh, Ted sure. Cruz raised a, raised a ton of money off yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. Um, these guys are despicable. And you were saying, uh, I think you were saying today, that you think their their political careers are are extremely damaged by this, I'm not convinced of that. But someone like think, Josh Hawley, like Ted yeah. Cruz, has a has a history, right? He's got some things yeah. he can sit on apart mm-hmm. from his 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 behavior over the last yeah. you know, four to eight to however many years. Right. Uh, Josh Hawley, who now has really tied his yeah. entire political oh, yeah. career to Trump, how hurt is he by? And I, I guess it it leads into your question because what becomes a conservatism? has yeah. to do with what becomes of Josh Hawley. Because if the, the power is taken away from Trump, then Josh Hawley goes along with him, I think. But, w- yeah. but w- w- what are your thoughts? Well, let me give you some of my thoughts that I jotted down here. And we, okay. could come, we could come back and assess that again. And by the way, I think it's more extreme when you're talking about the House members. Because yes. some of those guys, like the Matt Gates, oh, and, the, they and, went all the way. and yeah, they, they are still all the way. And they were, mm-hmm. they were spewing conspiracy theories last night I know. after this happened. I was watching about it. Antifa. No, it was insane. Right. Um, the Senate guys don't get that crazy, of yeah. course. Um, but some of these House members, I mean, they could just do whatever the hell they want. Yeah. And, and, you know, Matt Gates. A little more prob- local, those guys. Yeah. The Florida Congressman Matt Gates is probably the Trumpiest of all everyone and he keeps saying i'm not going back this is the party of trump i'm the, you know i think he wants to be the next trump they're making a it, calculated he's decision he's a florida man we expect course, this from him of course and by the way he's a he he, he he's one of the uh, the only congressman i know that that is respected and has been pulled over for a dui twice i think when he was a, when he was yeah. a little younger before he became a congressman so anyway um yeah what's going to happen to these guys i don't know it's really going to depend on what happens to trumpism which i will talk about now mm-hmm. because here's the thing january 6 2021 is trump's legacy it won't be any peace accords he made in the middle east I don't think it will be even be his botched and pathetic response to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I think that'll sort of be on page 13. Yeah. I think he will be remembered as a president that stoked division, told lies, and promoted conspiracies for four straight years until the bottle finally exploded and his supporters pushed their way into the Capitol building in the name of Trump and proceeded to tear shit up. That's his legacy. And what I worry about, and I worry about this because I think it's bad for the country, is that the left will now look upon anyone who supported Trump at all for any reason under the sun as part of the problem. And to be honest, I'm not entirely sure they'll be wrong about that. And I want to be clear here, okay? I want to be very, very clear because I don't want to say anything that's going to get me in trouble. I have said a hundred times on this show, I do not like comparisons between Hitler and Trump because Mm -hmm. I think it's an extraordinarily imperfect comparison. If if Trump had built concentration camps and sent all the libtards to get gassed and burned, then I'd feel different about it. Although I will say that a lot of Trump's rhetoric does come from the same place. It's nowhere near as dangerous, but it's similar in that there is sort of a broad mistrust of institutions, an attack on societal elites, on the media, on academia. These were all things that that Hitler was very big on, that it, he attacked as well, um, especially academia at the time. Uh, anyone who's done history or who, who studied history on on Hitler would know this. You know, Trump didn't have time to expound on all of these demonizations that he projected. But if he had, as 
had as much time as Hitler, who knows what could have happened? Like, honestly, who knows? Now, that's one of the beauties, by the way, Jay, of this of our system, because the fact that a term is only four years and a president can serve no more than eight gives them less time to make dramatic changes to the country, which we've talked about before. There's there, there, That's part of our system. We can't, there's just not enough time for what Hitler was able to accomplish in Germany to happen here. That stuff takes time and planning and years and years of indoctrination, okay? But with that said, Hitler did a lot of things as the chancellor of Germany, but you never hear anyone say, oh, you you know, I didn't love that mass extermination thing in the Holocaust, but he did some interesting things for public transportation. Like, nobody ever says that, okay? Unfortunately for Trump, I think it's the same thing. Trump's fingerprints are so firmly embedded in what happened yesterday that praising Trump about anything from here on in is going to be be considered extraordinarily taboo, especially by the media and by corporations and by social media companies, which we'll get to in a minute. The events of yesterday supersede anything that Trump did that you might happen to like in the same way that the Holocaust supersedes anything that Hitler might have done that was good for Germany. Not and again, that not that you're comparing the events. No, I, I, make that I, I, clear. I just want to say, I want to be 10,000% yeah. clear here. I am not yeah. comparing what happened yesterday to the Holocaust. I'm an American Jew and I think I understand <laughs> the difference. Okay. I am comparing the significance to yes. the overall legacy of the man. Mm-hmm. Okay. No one yeah. remembers Hitler for anything but the Holocaust. That's I right. don't don't think anyone's going to remember Trump for anything but what happened yesterday and everything bad that led up to it. And this is very unfortunate for the overall temperature of the country, yeah. because as of right now, at least, Trump is insanely popular among Republicans. And even after yesterday, I don't see that popularity dissipating anytime soon. Maybe you disagree, Jay, but I just don't see it. So I think the left broadly will look on anyone who supports or supported Trump as bad. And this will just exacerbate the divisions that are already embedded in our, our in our country. Yeah. And that's another reason why what happened yesterday is so devastating. Mm-hmm. So the question is, where do we go from here? Now, I, I was messaging today with a friend of the pod, actually, and I brought up the term denazification. Now, for those who don't know, Denazification was the process of removing Nazi ideology and influence from all forms of public life in defeated Germany after World War II. Uh, It was initiated by the Americans. There's actually a documentary about it called Denazification. It was initiated by the Americans and by the British. Um, So after the war ended, it, it wasn't like turning off a light switch and all Nazi ideology just disappeared. There were lots of people who were brainwashed and lots of people who were hanging on for dear life, the hangers on, you know? Denazification essentially sought to remove the existence of Hitler and Nazi ideology from society writ large. So that included tearing down all remaining Nazi symbology and burning it. I mean, they literally, there was, even though Germany was destroyed, they still had Nazi symbols everywhere. All of that had to be systematically taken down, burned, gotten rid of, hunting down and and trying all remaining Nazi officers who were still alive and in hiding um, and completely redesigning school curriculum because just like in North Korea currently, the entire curriculum in Germany up until that point had centered around National Socialism and, you know, a deeply evil ideology. That all had to be erased and extinguished and it took a lot of time and a lot of resources of many countries to make that happen uh, Germany was basically redesigned from the ground up 
by democracies around the world, mostly uh, other European democracies in the United States. Today, Germany is considered one of the more classically liberal countries on planet Earth, okay? But it takes a long time. Now, I'm not talking about liberalization of the United States, but I think the Republican Party needs to go through de-Trumpification. And me being the cynic that I am, I don't think yesterday was rock bottom yet. I think, I mean, it it sucks to say it, but I think it was the start of rock bottom. I think Trump isn't going anywhere. I think once he gets out of office, his rhetoric gets ramped up again. I think we're going to see a lot worse before Republicans come to their senses and realize this guy is a really bad man and bad for the movement and bad for our country and he needs to be purged. What do you think, Jay? I mean, part of the problem with what you just outlined is that Hitler killed six million Jews and people mm-hmm. still hung on. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, four people died, not by concentration camps. They weren't yeah. put to death in the same way. Mm-hmm. And we expect, I mean, people still hung on after Hitler. Mm-hmm. I mean, we expect, you know, people just to get rid of Trump. I agree. It, it's a stretch. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I hate, I really, really dislike that uh, comparison as well. But it's interesting in sort of only in how Trump has created this nationalistic view of himself, not just the country, himself as the country's leader um, in the same way. Yeah, I don't even necessarily think it's, I'm not making the comparison in the ideology. I'm making the comparison in the fact that the men both had extremely loyal followings Mm -hmm. and had brought a new dynamic to the country that took hold very rapidly and became people became almost obsessed with it mm-hmm. you know uh, that's what brainwashing is i do believe yeah. that trumpers to a certain extent it, it, are brainwashed it's not I, as dangerous as hitler no i agree I, I think you have yeah. you have better comparisons drawn with some cult leaders than you do with hitler i would say yeah 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 i just but 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 trump is the leader of one of the, the the you know the greatest powers in in human history. Correct. And but the, so but the I people wouldn't... that are connected to him, other than the con- a small contingent, some of who we saw yesterday, are it's more of a culty kind of thing than you know I'm going to kill six million Jews for you. you right. Know, I don't I don't know that that any any of his followers would be okay with that. Yeah, uh, you know. <laughs> You you say that, but I again I think I don't think the killing of six million people. No, I don't think that's that's it. But I think there is such a disdain for the so-called societal elites, and even just the way we saw yesterday, because the people in Congress are those people. I know, and 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 for whatever reason, Trump is the champion of that movement. Mm-hmm. I'm not altogether certain. I just from the the comments I see on Facebook. Com- uh, on Facebook posts and stuff, I- I'm not altogether certain that a large portion of this country wouldn't be fine with shipping the liberals somewhere and and start a- a- and and getting them. You know, maybe not killing them, yeah, yeah. but just starting fresh. Well, this them. is this this is the civil yeah. war talk that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, but, right? But but there there was actually a really nice moment last night in the joint session when they got to Georgia. And it, it was like something out of a movie. It was really fun to watch. And the House Republicans, they stood up to read their objection to the Electoral College results. And when asked if they had a senator's support, they, they basically said, well, we did, but we don't anymore. And everyone right. clapped and stood up, yeah. and then the counting continued. As I'm sure most of you listeners know, that I was hoping, I, I was hoping that a Trump defeat 
in the election would shift the balance of GOP power back from the Trumpers. That didn't happen. And I'm still pretty terrified for the future of the party. However, even if the party splits and no one is on the, and no one on the right is able to win an election for who knows how long, I would say that would be worth it. That's the price the GOP would, would and should pay for dancing with the devil. I think it's horrid that an event like yesterday had to happen for certain people to come to their senses, especially when I believe the writing was on the wall the, the entire time. Yeah. But it beats them never coming to their senses, in my opinion. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm horrified by the events of yesterday, but as a tragedy often does, it has the ability to open certain people's eyes, to bring us together as a nation and as a party. And I may, again, I may be grasping, but it's all I have, so don't take it away from me. Well, it's funny. One of the things Justin and I were talking about yesterday, just us personally talking about, is that he, more so than me, has an ability to sort of move on and say, okay, that was that. Let's let that go and, 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 just, and just go to the next thing. And that's, it takes me a lot longer. Like, I'm not going to forget the way the Republicans behaved. It's not about forgetting to me. It's about, it's about forgiving. And what is practically the best thing for our country? Practically the best thing for our country is not to hold, not to have that kind of resentment. Because again, you said it earlier, it's a seesaw effect where our country gets further and further divided. That is, that's the enemy. Yeah, no, of course. You're right. You're you're exactly right. And, you know, I wish everyone could have that attitude. Unfortunately, they don't. People, I think the natural human tendency is to dig in deeper, sure. you know, in, until you really hit bottom. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a, a drug addict. Mm-hmm. You know, you have, they always say, what do you have? You have to hit bottom before right. you decide to make a change. Yeah. I think what we saw to, yesterday was the start of hitting bottom. And by the way, you guys are listening to this on Friday we're recording this on Thursday. So for us, this stuff happened yesterday. For you guys, it happened two days ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's the start of bottom, but I don't think it's bottom yet. I think Trump is going to be back. I think he's going to be stoking. I, I don't think his base, the real base, not people like you or, or, or anyone we know. I mean, the real, real base is not going anywhere for a while. So mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, one of the things that you're likely noticing, especially if you watch right-wing media or if you have uh, Trump-supporting family and friends, are uh, what we call false equivalents. Now, you know, where uh, an equivalence is basically, a false equivalence is where an equivalence is drawn between two subjects based on flawed or uh, false reasoning. Like apples you know, and oranges. Exactly right. Uh, the big one that the right is pushing right now is the idea that liberals and so-called mainstream media apologized or didn't care about the riots that happened over the summer with Black Lives Matter in the wake of George Floyd's murder. But riots in the name of Trump get everyone riled up. I'm sure if you have a right wing uncle, that's what he's telling you. Well, where are the where are the liberals and and all their anger during the summer when Black Lives Matter was destroying property and blah blah blah. Right, Jay? Yeah. Now. First off, let us say, like we should take, we, you know, let's take credit where credit is due here, Jay. The down the middle squad, meaning Justin and I, uh, have been remarkably consistent on this topic. You can go back and listen. We said protesting good, rioting and looting bad. That's right. From the very, very beginning, I am a liberal who supports one's right to peacefully assemble and protest, mm-hmm. but fully condemns any kind of rioting or violence or thug-like behavior yeah, as period. an excuse mm-hmm. for any miscarriage of justice or an excuse for anything, for that yeah. matter, right? Yeah. But here's why it's a false equivalence, in my opinion, at least, Jay, mm-hmm. okay? Name me one Democratic politician that didn't condemn rioting and looting. Now, the, the right has taken to conflate 
the protests with the riots. Mm -hmm. But the fact is, they're two different things. We saw many Democratic politicians, and even Mitt Romney, Mm -hmm. a Republican politician, attend protests and marches. If yesterday was just a protest, it wouldn't have made even made the news. It would have just been a Trump protest, one of many, right? Name me one Democratic politician who saw violent rioting and looting and said, eh, that's justified. It certainly wasn't Joe Biden. He's been very clear about it. He even said all those people should be arrested as they should, right? Mm-hmm. But let me go one step further here. Mm-hmm. The, the protests that happened over the summer in the wake of the Floyd murder was not a political protest. And this is sort of the heady stuff, okay? Right-wing media figures tried to make them political, as they always do, but they weren't. They were racial protests. And that should have nothing to do with politics, okay? And this goes back to the sort of tongue-in-cheek point I've made and I've brought up a million times here. The right likes to indict all criminal behavior as liberal or big D Democrat behavior. All criminals are Democrats. All gang members are Democrats. All looters and riots, rioters are Democrats. Why? Why do we connect rioting and looting with being a Democrat? Now, somebody proved to me that the bulk of the rioters and looters from over the summer were registered Democrats. In fact, somebody proved to me that Antifa are Democrats. These people are scum. They're agitators. In many cases, they're anarchists. In many cases, they're unaffiliated and or unregistered with any political party. Yet somehow it's always it's it's become a thing to paint any kind of racial protest or any protest for that matter as part of the Democratic Party platform. And is it just because the Dems tend to be the party of civil rights. I mean, I'm, I've been trying to figure this out. So the big false equivalence here is that what happened yesterday at the Capitol was an overtly political riot. And that it, the political riot was inspired, encouraged, and celebrated in the name of the head of the political party that currently controls the executive branch. Nobody who rioted and looted over the summer was doing that at the urging of a politician, especially not one who sits at the top of representative government. Now, we have no idea how many of the rioters and looters over the summer season of riots were Democrats or liberals. However, we know for certain that all of the rioters and looters yesterday at the Capitol were Republicans and Trump supporters. That's the difference. Prove me wrong. So I I disagree with that assessment somewhat. Okay. So yes, this is the president of the United States. Yes, that's bad. Yes, he ran as a member of the Republican Party. We both know that he's not an actual Republican other than by name. We've said so dozens of times on this show. These people that showed up in Washington are not following the Republican president of the United States. They are following Donald Trump, a very dangerous man, a cult personality who does not care at all about his responsibility as president of the United States. They're a faction of Trumpers. They care about policy just just about as much as any BLM member, maybe even less, because at least BLM were organized and had specific demands related to legislation, which is where I take issue with your assessment, because they were talking about racial injustice within the system. 
Do I believe that fuzzy hat guy is going to be able to recite the Constitution past the Second Amendment? Never mind, understand how a bill becomes a law or the intricacies of health care reform? Mm-hmm. The Republican Party did not march on Washington. That's evident by the members of the Republican Party who are stepping away from Trump even before the events of yesterday. I can guarantee you that BLM would love for their leader to become president of the United States. And I don't think that that would stop some of their followers from creating autonomous zones and protesting violently. Trumpers are Trumpers. They should be designated as such. These Trumpers are a group of political activists, and the only thing that makes them political is that their leader is rather, unfortunately, the president. They are a faction of a movement on the right, the exact same way that BLM is a movement of political activists on the left. And there's an argument that would link the people we interviewed, for example, who support Donald Trump and work in Washington, and would never have been a part of what happened yesterday, with the events of yesterday in enabling this man. Now, sure, you can do the same with AOC and the violence in the autonomous zones and the BLM riots, or Ilhan Omar and anti-Semitism. They aren't Mm. president, but they could be. The representatives Mm. of the people who have condoned violence for a purpose. I believe in both cases, as we just said. Have they condoned violence, though? AOC was absolutely silent and, by the way, spoke out that sometimes violence is necessary in in movements. There Mm. were absolutely head fakes, no more, no less than the president has made two factions of his most extreme followers. I don't believe there's any high horses here. That's, it's nuanced. We say it all the time. Right. There are some conclusions to draw between what is uh, similar in what mm-hmm. happened this summer and what happened yesterday. Right. But, but, but here, okay, so two things. Number one, and this is very simple, I would agree with you if the Trump, Trumper, for lack of a better term, um, contingent of, of Republicans was very small. I've said this before. Trumpism is synonymous with Republicanism and conservatism at this point. There are principled conservatives like you and Ben Shapiro, but people have bought into Trump. Now, that does not but mean not that everyone. Not violently. No, 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 okay, but that does not. I was just going to say that does not mean that everyone's going to put on boots and yeah. get tattoo Trump that's tattoos I mean. and, and, and run down the street. But that's that's like in every dangerous movement, you know. The guy, one, I, I've brought up this guy several times on the show, and we're trying to get him on the show. Christian Picciolini, the yeah, guy yeah. who, who, uh, uh, so he used to run uh, a, a white supremacist organization. He became an activist. He tries to get people out of of white supremacist groups. Now, mm-hmm. really interesting guy, as I've as I've talked about before. Uh, he talked about a movement that he's that him and a lot of his contemporaries back in the late '90s started called "From Boots to Suits." Mm-hmm. The idea was that. The not the neo Nazi sort of he was part of the skinhead sort right. of organization. He they they came to realize that your average American racist was not radical enough that where they were going to shave their head mm-hmm. and get Hitler Nazi tattoos and mm-hmm. put on boots and sleep in their boots and wear fatigues. Like they, they're just they, it just wasn't appealing enough to a large swath of the American public. So they came up with this idea called From Boots to Suits. And right. they had a, ba- a big sit down with thousands of, of members of the movement. And they said, we need to get our together. We have to stop shaving our head. We have to stop looking like thugs. We have to stop getting tattoos on our necks. We have to go to school, get educated, infiltrate society if we want to make a difference in mm-hmm. this. Because the uh, the average American racist who has these kind of feelings is just not, it's too extreme for them. Yeah, well, clearly and, these are not those people if you saw the photos from yesterday. <laughs> right, right. But what I'm saying, the point, I, the, the, the analogy I'm making here is that there's a lot of people who feel the same way mm-hmm. that those rioters yesterday feel. 
but just aren't extreme enough to actually go and break into the Capitol. So I, I'm sorry. I don't think though that that is a fringe group of the Republican Party. I think that is the thought process of the majority of the Republican Party. And I've seen it now from the people who have commented and make it, made excuses for these people. I, I just, I, I really think it's very unfortunate, but I just think they are synonymous. They're just not enough people who are extreme enough to actually march down and do criminal things. That You have to be pretty extreme for that. I agree, yeah. but that's, yeah. that's where the distinction should be drawn. And I also think that you are painting with a very broad, a very broad brush. Mm-hmm. And playing a little bit of identity politics, I think there's so much nuance in what you're saying. Uh, all Trumpers feel this way to a degree. I, I don't find that to be true. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, honestly, I think Trump, we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. and you've agreed that Trump has had such an effect on the party. Absolutely. And what, if, the, if, the, if the people who did this rioting have bought into the message that of that Trump is sending and that has been the impetus for actually doing what they did yesterday. Mm-hmm. Then I have to assume that the rest of the people who support Trump have also bought into it but just aren't extreme enough to do what those people did. But that's yesterday. a pretty massive dividing line and that's where we're making the distinction. We're not talking about ideology whether that's right or wrong. Okay. We're talking about what happened yesterday. Actually who, going actually, to, to committing yeah. violence. And right. who are these people? And right. and, and are and they then, you know, are they Republicans? Or are they just Trumpers? Are they crazy people who who believe in the man? And I right. I, I choose the latter. There, I believe the latter. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I would say, I would reiterate again in in my pushback here on that. That, and I think we talked about this in a very early episode where I said, you know, Black Lives Matter was never supposed to be a political movement. It was a movement that was. Sole purpose was to address a very specific issue of police brutality in black communities. Mm-hmm. That was it. Okay, but the police why, work why, for the no, governments. Of course, no, no. Well, no wh- listen, it has become a political movement because yes. the right has been so triggered, probably because of the police issue, um, and because you know the right always one of their big uh, you know agenda items is. Law enforcement, the, the mm-hmm. party of law and order. They, they've always been that. They've been that way for our whole lives, at least, right? We're the party of law and order. So they made it into a very political issue. What I have always said is that the majority of people who were protest, who were rioting yeah. in the Black Lives Matter protests last summer, yeah. I guarantee you most of those people are not registered Democrats. No, I don't think they're sure. registered as anything. No, we agree. And a I, lot of these they, guys were just right. out to buy, to get some shoes. Right, exactly. They're just thugs. Yeah, but, I, but right. there's a degree of people who are opportunists like that in yesterday's riots, that they are, yeah. you know, they believe in some other cause, whether that's white nationalism or not. Right. Yeah. This is what they've grabbed onto and they've used it as a vehicle for their violence. I believe those two right. things to be similar. And that's why I think it's not completely insane to make some comparisons here. I don't think everything fits, but there right. are some pieces that do fit between the two. And I think, again, I do think it has to be nuanced a little bit more than just a broad sweeping generalization. Of course, it is nuanced. I would just say, finally, again, and this would be sort of this for me, the slogan, my personal slogan for this argument mm-hmm. is that the BLM protests we saw over the summer were racial protests. And the protests we saw yesterday 
were political protests. And political protests are are inherently different from racial protests because racial identity is not supposed to be political unless you make it political. The protest yesterday was inherently political. But see, I disagree in that where you can make a difference in what the BLM protests were supposed to achieve was, let's call it police reform. That happens at a government level. You can only do that in politics. And therefore, inherently, the movement is political because if they're just protesting for the hell of it, why bother? They're protesting. They had purpose. They, they They had a list of demands they wanted met from the very beginning. Those demands included police reform. Police reform is governmental. Therefore, it's a political it just is a political protest by nature. Yeah, I mean, because the Republicans are the party of law enforcement. <laughs> the, list, the list of demands occurred before uh, before anything. BLM decided this is what we want from uh, from the people, our government, to change yeah. in order to create less of a, a system that is less racist. Yeah. And that, that a lot of those changes happen to have, uh, want, they want to occur inside the governmental system. Okay, yeah. But, I, you know, furthermore, I yeah. still don't think that you had the very top of the movement, like you had yesterday with Trump being the top of his movement, mm-hmm. calling for unprecedented action that was absolutely translated to violent action. That's what Trump was doing yesterday. I agree with I, I, agree I can't with you. think of anyone in the BLM movement or anyone, in, especially in government, any representative who was overtly saying, we, you know, this problem isn't getting solved. We need to go out there and show them we mean business. Agree. Nobody no said one, that. No one, were, no one was using those terminology. I don't, no yeah. one was using that terminology. I do think there are some complicit members of Congress, and I name them, because they mm-hmm. wouldn't speak out or they, you know, spoke about uh, historically they violent, and nodded. violent movements. Yeah. So right. that's as far as it got, and I still think that's wrong. But I agree with you that it was not as extreme as what Trump right. and Giuliani and those people did yesterday. Absolutely. We can agree on that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a false equivalence to 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 say it's an exact comparison on many levels. And the other level that I know you, you, we wanted to talk about was uh, the media, you mm-hmm. know, how the media covered it, because, yeah. you know, the media is, again, always intrinsically linked with the Democrats, which, mm-hmm. again, I've argued many, many times is stupid, especially when Fox News has three times the viewership of any of the other media. Again, the mainstream media, that's why I always say so-called mainstream media, because I don't believe they're mainstream. I think Fox News is mainstream, right? Anderson Cooper's fringe at this point. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, look, there was was a media differential between the rhetoric of, of, of the press on the left with the rioters associated, mm. we'll, 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 we'll designate as left-wing media, right? CNN, whatever okay, people fine, have fine, been pushed fine, to the left because fine. of the right or whatever you want to call fine. it. Okay, but they're on the what, fringe media. That's fine. The, the people, <laughs> right. media on the fringe. There, right. There's a differential to make between their rhetoric and the rioters associated with the BLM riots and the mm. rhetoric of that same press associated with the Trump insurrection. I think there's yeah. some evidence for that. I, I don't think it's surprising. The media the, freaking uh, sucks. Stop listening right. to them. You know, I don't think there's any shock there. There is evidence for it, but, you know, again, I think it has to do with what we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. The, the rioting that happened at BLM was not mandated or supported or encouraged by anyone in high office. It doesn't make any of it okay, and therefore uh, no, the media no, should condemn not. it either way. I agree it's not the same in right. that way, right? The right. way you're describing it was not but the same. But the other thing I was going to say, though, dude, is that... 
I remember watching CNN and other mainstream, mm-hmm. so-called mainstream outlets, and them being very distraught and upset and floored when people were breaking windows and running into stores and looting, just like they were during the Rodney King, uh, you know, looting and riots and all that. Uh, like this, I this this sort of right wing fantasy that this uh, th- that media members are cheering this on. That just is not, it's not a true thing. It's not true. I think that's the wrong way to put it. I would say that they they weren't coming out strongly against it. I mean, Chris Cuomo is quoted as saying, please show me where it says that protesters are supposed to be polite and peaceful. Right? That's not, yeah. it, Chris Cuomo's he didn't go as far, yeah, yeah. nearly as yeah. far as yeah. to say, yeah, I know <laughs> right. that, I agree with you. But my point is, is that there's yeah. there's lots of evidence where people said things like this that weren't condemning the violence to the extent that they should have, and they did yesterday, and th- th- shame on the media. How many times do we say it? They should condemn both yeah. violent acts equally, period, no matter who's leading them, and no matter who's calling for them. They're violent acts. They're wrong. It's illegal. It's, it's, right. it's not right, and now, they should now, condemn it Now, one all. thing, and this is sort of a little bit off topic, but w- one thing I would absolutely condemn the media for from a, a hypocrisy standpoint is... The mm-hmm. fact that COVID, COVID, COVID was so extreme and, and, and the, 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 the amount of um, shame they would put upon anyone who was unwilling to comply with mask ordinances. But then when the riots happened, COVID went completely out the window, if you remember. That is something yeah. I'd be willing yeah. to talk about um, or, or at least willing to agree about in terms of mm-hmm. media hypocrisy. I and mean, yes, we've talked a million times that they're, sure, they're, plenty of it. they're terrible. Yeah. But I just, I, I, yeah. I am not going to sit here and say that the way they covered yesterday's rioting was egregious and that they were nonchalant about the BLM rioting. That didn't happen. It's just, yeah. Or that they encouraged it. I, I nonchalant. I, again, I, I don't think that they encouraged it. I, I don't think they condemned it as hard as they, it, it's a violent act. I don't think they condemned it as hard as they condemned yesterday's right. violent act. I, and, and that's where I draw, that's where I, I, I bring yeah. an issue. I think that all violent acts should be condemned as yeah. we do on this show. And that, and that's that. I think I, this yeah. is a black. I wish they did better with that too. I do. Um, yeah. but you, you know, I, I turn on Fox sometimes or other right-wing media sources that of course, they are, but, but it's, what I was going to say is that it's, it's amazing to me how much time they spend talking about the media and, and the how other, the media the is liberal, <laughs> you know, it, it, it is become yeah. such oh, a thing. And, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. Media is terrible. Yeah. Do better, as we say. Yeah, another conversation for another time. Do better. Now, there's also a narrative amongst the right that the people tearing down statues were not treated as harshly in punishment uh, from the actual justice system as these people will be, uh, you know, who who did this, uh, led this insurrection yesterday. Mm -hmm. I did a little bit of digging, and uh, here are the results of what I found. And and there's a couple, so I'll go through them as quick as I can. A leader of an American Indian movement, Michael A. Forcia, he toppled over a Columbus statue in Minnesota outside the Capitol. He was charged with felony destruction of property, but then was given a plea deal and had to write a letter acknowledging the damage he caused and remain law-abiding while on probation for the next year. Jason Charter, an outspoken member of Antifa, actually a member of Antifa, was arrested and charged with felony destruction of federal property in an attempt to destroy the statue of Andrew Jackson in Washington, D.C. Also charged in this case were Lee Michael Cantrell, Connor Matthew, Judd, Ryan Lane, and Graham Lloyd, all charged with felonies. Charter has since been arrested multiple times and charged in multiple incidents of violence. In Atlanta, Jamie Loeffner was arrested and charged with interference with government property, a felony. 
and criminal trespass, a misdemeanor, after tagging a statue of John Brown Corden on a corner of the Capitol grounds. And you're going to love this one. In Portsmouth, Virginia, the first black female leader of the Virginia State Senate, 76-year-old Louise Lucas, was charged with a felony for damaging a 127-year-old Confederate statue Mm -hmm. in front of the state capitol. It's an interesting uh, charge there. Uh, In Madison, Wisconsin, Sasha Clemente and Jacob Capps were charged with two counts of being party to to felony criminal damage to property after tearing tearing down statues linked to the Civil War and firebombing the Madison-Dane County Government Building. 38 other people were charged with various felonies related to damage or looting in the event. There's Right. A, a ton so, more so what what you found basically is that that's not true. That that the justice system has been was hard on protesters and statue vandals. They were they were hard on some, but again, I know we're not using any right. segment music tonight, but I'll say it anyway. Okay. Two things can be true at once. So while a great deal of these arrests were made and charges were brought, some local authorities yeah. took a differing stance. In Portland, which will surprise no one, <laughs> that yeah. it was, this was in Portland, at the Portland Justice Center, protesters brought down a statue of George Washington erected in the 20s. They set fires around the statue, berated policemen, throwing right. anything they could at them. Uh, elsewhere in, in, in Oregon, protesters vandalized two statues at the University of Oregon, a statue of Thomas Jefferson at the Jefferson High School. Not a yeah. single arrest was made. In Los Angeles, again, a very liberal uh, yeah. uh, area, uh, Elizabeth Brookie, Christopher Woodard, Ash, uh, Ash, Anna Asher, Emma Juncosa and a few other people were arrested for tearing down and spray painting a George Washington statue in Grand Park. Couldn't find any information to say that they were ever charged with anything. Okay, well, two, so, well, a couple a couple things. Number one, are these all Antifa people, or are they just? Or we don't know. No. Okay. Because no, we don't. the only one, uh, number one, specifically Antifa is is is, is the guy Jason. I mentioned. okay, right? Because number one, I refuse to say that Antifa are liberals or even on the left. They're they're as fascist as you can get in their in their tactics. I don't know why it became a thing or why we let the right label Antifa a left wing group. There's nothing left wing about them. It's stupid. I'm calling a moratorium on calling Antifa leftist. Well, I think it's I think, you know, the the comparison to be made is it's it's uber extremist. Uh, You know, it's past socialism. You know, fine, fine. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I'm not saying they're right wingers, but they're ju- to me, they're just anarchists. They're anarchists that don't have any ideology. Yes. They're like, you, you know, what's nihilist. that line in the, in the Big Lebowski? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that sounds He's exhausting. a nihilist, man. <laughs> he believes in nothing. Right. <laughs> that right, it sounds exhausting, right? No, that's that's what Antifa are. They're people that believe in nothing except property destruction. OK, those people are not liberals and it has become a political thing to make them into liberals. So everyone can go Antifa. I agree. There was only one yeah. Antifa member that I mentioned. Everyone else was from yeah. BLM. Okay. All so, right. yeah. so again, the bottom line, the conclusion we draw all too often, there's nuance. It's not black and white. And don't listen yeah. to the news media. Right. And the second thing I was going to say is that we don't know yet what the justice system is going exactly to right. provide to the people who, who did this yesterday. Yeah. It's too early to tell. Yeah. So that, I think you're saying that the right is decrying the idea that um, the justice system was harder on yesterday's rioters mm-hmm. than they were we on don't know. the summer rioters of, yeah. the, uh, uh, of the... Yeah, we yeah. just don't know that. We yet. don't know that. We yet. don't, we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, there is uh, also on the left, there is... Uh, uh, you know, interestingly, sort of the opposite thing happening where a lot of left wing people are saying that law enforcement would have been a lot harsher if those rioters yesterday were or black BLM. Mm-hmm. Um, or if they were BLM mm-hmm. than they were. And there are questions, you know, this is something we we haven't talked about yet, is that how did this happen from the police standpoint? Do you sure. have any information on that? I don't have much other than the fact that the National Guard was not there for the protesting. They weren't called in until later. 
Yeah. And we'll get into that a little bit of what happened when we talk about Trump's statement today. But right. it's it's difficult to say. I mean, I saw there's a video going around of of, of police literally opening a barricade and people right. running through. I don't know what the truth of that video is yet. Right. I, I don't know that we've 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 figured that out. Well, you know, a couple things. Talk about uh, global implications. I have to believe that. ISIS terrorist organizations like Al Qaeda were watching, watching that. Yeah, they, sure. they had to be saying, "Why haven't we tried that? If it's that easy to get into the Capitol, where all the most important people in government are all sitting, why have we never tried that?" I, I visited <laughs> they, the Capitol myself. I went to Congress yeah. uh, two years ago, and it is mm -hmm. difficult to get in. You, there's you know numerous security guards and police. There's metal yeah. detectors. It's not that big of a space to get in. So how that happened yesterday is a little beyond me, other than the fact that it was just sheer numbers. And they overwhelmed the number of people that were in the building. They were unprepared for this. And I think that's the bottom line. Yeah. You saw chief of police resigned today. I think that this is why. Yeah. Why were they under, unprepared? I have no idea. Now, the other thing, it, it, this is just a rumor, but I think I've, I've seen a couple pictures of police officers taking pictures with the, yeah, with the protesters and the mm -hmm. rioters. Because, you know, one of the problems, and this is one of the reasons we had BLM, is that, uh, you know, police officers, by and large, are very, very pro-Trump. Mm -hmm. So maybe they believe a lot in this stuff. You know, that's sort of what happened, you know, uh, yeah. Hitler very much, again, not to make the, I'm not making a perfect comparison, <laughs> but he very much had the 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 law enforcement people on his side, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so it, who knows? Who knows what was going on? Um, what I will say is that I don't think race really plays much of a role in this. I I, I don't know if there's yeah. any evidence to the idea that if they were black protesters yesterday, they would have been treated differently. Yeah. Um, I also, uh, the, ironically, I think a lot of cops over the summer um, during the BLM protests and riots were told to stand down. Yes. And a lot of people were upset about that. Mm -hmm. So I know there were a few violent examples of police tear gassing people but yeah. overall they're outliers those are outliers yeah th those were outliers mm -hmm. right they were basically they were told to stand down most of the time which was actually pissing off a lot of people yeah. on the right yeah um so yeah i i don't uh you know as you know about me i'm a liberal who doesn't believe in identity politics i don't like to make everything about race i think it's counterproductive yeah um so i'm not going to make this about yeah, race bottom line here on both sides is don't paint yeah. with a broad brush do your research right. be nuanced and and, mm -hmm. and don't listen to the news media yeah so moving on, um, the wheels are coming off of the Trump presidency. Uh, let's talk about that a little, Jay. Yeah, look, uh, you know, you're seeing some rumors about uh, invoking the 25th Amendment. I don't know that mm -hmm. that's plausible with the time left. But yeah, you see... they, they basically uh, quash that. Today. Yeah, I mean, and, the, yeah. people are but people are stepping away from him. I mean, there are a number of resignations read that list it's 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 long but it, you know it's uh, elaine chow the transportation secretary matt pottinger na the deputy national security advisor mick mulvaney special envoy to northern ireland is the former chief of staff stephanie grissom the first lady's chief of staff john costello the commerce department's deputy assistant secretary yep. for intelligence security ryan tully senior director for european and russian affairs Tyler Goodspeed, acting chairman of the council of economic advisors sarah matthews yep. deputy white house Pre uh, press secretary and Ricky Nicetta, White House Social Secretary. And tonight, the latest, Betsy DuVos resigned a few hours ago, blaming yep. President Trump for rhetoric that ruled the violent invasion of the Capitol. Now, do you think these people were going to be unemployed in two weeks anyway? Correct. Um, it was an easy so, walk. 
It was definitely right, an easy right. walk. Do you think they did it to save face and to, to sort of save whatever character they have left so they could get jobs later? I mean, that's my impression. I, it's. I think it's a little of all of it. I think they okay. were they were disgusted by what happened yesterday. I think that was the line for them. You know, you can ha- you can take issue with them that this is yeah. how far their line is. Feel free. They enabled it. Yeah, but yeah, this was their years. line, and so they decided yeah. to step off. And I and yes, I think there's absolutely some political divisiveness there. Um, Mike Pompeo, John Radcliffe and Deputy Chief of Staff Chris Liddell and National Security Advisor Robert, o- Robert O'Brien are staying in their roles because of the rumored uh, pressure from Congress. They were scared Trump will replace them with people that could do further damage in two weeks. I heard that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, John Bolton uh, was on TV uh, on CNN today uh, giving a explanation for why he doesn't think the 25th Amendment is a good idea. He thinks it's just going to cause more problems. Yeah. It actually takes a long time. It takes, to, it takes it's, too it's not long simple. is really the bottom it's line. Not, it's not and simple. So, so I do think he I mean. should be impeached. I yeah. do think he should be impeached again, go down as a president who uh, was impeached twice. Um, and I do and I do think there's a chance that the Senate would would rule to 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 remove him uh, at they this might. point. It also, I mean, it'd be like the day before he leaves office. It, it would only be. It, I, no, I, I listen. Ceremonial. It, it would be ceremonial. That's exactly yeah. right. It would go down right. in, in the history books and it'd be a fitting end. But right. I, I don't know if that happens. Yeah, it would. No, Trump made a statement today, which uh, for the first time you know, he he was out of the public eye for the entire day. And then all of a sudden came with a, with a recorded statement. Um, the statement very much to me seems like a way of sort of calming all of the stuff that's going on in his administration to basically say that, uh, you know, this is as far as it's going to go. I'm going to, it basically was his concession speech, I think, Mm -hmm. um, which I think a lot of people will buy, especially his media allies will buy as being like Trump's decided to do the right thing and we could all move on now. It'll be the same, you know, the last few, ever since the election, there's been a whole group of, Trump people who have been very much willing to are wanting to move on. Ben mm-hmm. Shapiro is number one. Like he spent the last. I mean, how long was the election? Uh, when did that happen? Two months ago already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He spent the last two months basically not even talking about Trump, oh, just talking about Biden, yeah, right? Because the there's there, there's a desire to just be like, okay, that was a thing in the past. Let's go. Yeah, you know, you know, it's like, yeah, we're not gonna let it. We're not gonna let you off the hook that easy. But anyway, yeah. I think you have the statement, don't you, Jerry? I do, and this is what it sounded. like. I would like to begin by addressing the heinous attack on the United States Capitol. Like all Americans, I am outraged by the violence, lawlessness, and mayhem. I immediately deployed the National Guard and federal law enforcement to secure the building and expel the intruders. America is and must always be a nation of law and order. The demonstrators who infiltrated the Capitol have defiled the seat of American democracy. To those who engage in the acts of violence and destruction, you do not represent our country. And to those who broke the law, you will pay. We have just been through an intense election, and emotions are high. But now tempers must be cooled and calm restored. We must get on with the business of America. My campaign vigorously pursued every legal avenue to contest the election results. My only goal was to ensure the integrity of the vote. In so doing, I was fighting to defend American democracy. I continue to strongly believe that we must reform our election laws to verify the identity and eligibility of all voters 
and to ensure faith and confidence in all future elections. Now Congress has certified the results. A new administration will be inaugurated on January 20th. My focus now turns to ensuring a smooth, orderly, and seamless transition of power. This moment calls for healing and reconciliation. 2020 has been a challenging time for our people. A menacing pandemic has upended the lives of our citizens, isolated millions in their homes, damaged our economy, and claimed countless lives. Defeating this pandemic and rebuilding the greatest economy on Earth will require all of us working together. It will require a renewed emphasis on the civic values of patriotism, faith, charity, community, and family. We must revitalize the sacred bonds of love and loyalty that bind us together as one national family. To the citizens of our country, serving as your president has been the honor of my lifetime. And to all of my wonderful supporters, I know you are disappointed, but I also want you to know that our incredible journey is only just beginning. Thank you, God bless you, and God bless America. So what do you think he was threatened with to make that speech? Right, yeah, he Jeez. I mean, um, you know, there's going to be the better late than never crowd. There's going to be the apologist. I don't, I don't buy a, a minute of that. Um, I think even the very last statement he says there, our movement is just be, it's only just beginning. That's I think that's a, to me. that's a wink and a nod. Sure. That this that's him saying I had to say this, mm-hmm. um, but I'll be back, mm-hmm. and that's why I don't think it goes back to what I was saying. I don't think yeah. we've hit bottom yet. You have anything else to say about that statement? No, I I think it was very clearly written for him. Yeah, uh, we know that's not what he really meant uh, or really meant. You know, really wanted to say clearly way too little, way too late. And the piece about the National Guard is not accurate. I can't You're confirm right. this. I've seen a great deal of conflicting information that it was actually Vice President Pence who ultimately approved the decision without speaking to the president, who was reportedly hesitant to call in the National Guard. So, you know, he made a statement about uh, peace and coming together and all those things, and he lied in it, from what we can yeah. tell. So it's sort of a little bit more of the same for me. More of the same. More of the same. So uh, the last thing we want to talk about today, guys, is the social media thing. As you may have heard, uh, Trump was banned today from uh, Instagram and from Facebook. Uh, So according to the AP, Facebook and Instagram have placed a ban on posts by U.S. President Donald Trump indefinitely on Thursday for encouraging violent rioters who had barged into the U.S. Capitol building when uh, U.S. Congress was certifying the U.S. election results. Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg on Thursday released a statement saying that it is a matter of huge risk to allow the U.S. president to use Facebook. So uh, first off, uh, this is not as big a deal as a lot of people are making it in terms Mm -hmm. of the censorship aspect. The actual fact that the president got banned from social media is a big deal. (laughs) I'll get to that in a second. Right. But from the censorship aspect, it's not. People are acting as if Trump won't have any platform at all to get his message out, which is obviously not true. Don't worry, people. I'm sure he'll figure out a way. He released a statement today. He can go on TV whenever he wants. He's the president (laughs) of the United States, and he has other outlets that will put him on air. He can go on Facebook. He can borrow uh, Don Jr.'s uh, Twitter. Exactly. He can go on Fox News whenever he wants. The idea that, that Facebook and Twitter are the only platforms he has is kind of silly. So, you know, I've been seeing a lot of just people going crazy over this on the right. Uh, but yeah, I, I know a lot of liberals are very happy about this and saying, you know, 
finally Zuckerberg decided to take action here. But to to be honest with you, it makes me a little squirmy. Uh, it makes me feel a little bit squirmy. And, it, yeah. and it's not the significance of the fact that it happens to be the most powerful man in the world that they're shutting down. It's that we are putting the responsibility of determining what classifies as dangerous rhetoric mm-hmm. in the hands of corporate executives and yeah. corporate executives that are not elected. Now, you you might say, uh, you know, but you guys are giving us your opinions on how you feel about all this. And yes, but that is the purpose of our show. We are acting in the role of political commentators, and it is therefore appropriate for us to espouse on the political and social happenings of the day. Uh, But Facebook and Instagram aren't in the business of political punditry. They're supposed to be in the business of open platforms. And that's the part that I think can be dangerous, even though they are uh, private companies that can do whatever the hell they want. I'm a big free market guy as mm-hmm. as well as Jay, right? Now, I, I don't think this particular one is dangerous in and of itself, and I totally understand why Zuckerberg would feel pressure to ban Trump in this instance because he did incite actual violence, in my opinion. Now, you you know, you like I said before, you can't scream fire in a crowded theater, right? That's a crime. That's essentially what he did. Now, other people may say that he didn't, whatever. But there's a slippery slope argument here if we're going to let corporate executives determine what is violent rhetoric, what is hate speech, what is dangerous, etc. Like, let me give an example. Like, say, for instance... Somebody posts something about how they don't think transgenderism is a thing. They think it's simply a mental disorder, right? Which is a you know a thing on the right that people say all the time. What if Facebook decides that this kind of rhetoric could lead to violence against transgender people, and so mm-hmm. they ban that person from their yeah. platform? Yeah, this is when you, right. This is when you start to get into some serious First Amendment in- issues. And as I've said before, I am extraordinarily passionate about the First Amendment more than probably anything else in our constitution. And I accept the fact that people are going to say things that I find disgusting and abhorrent in exchange for the privilege of freedom of speech. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's the trade-off of freedom of speech. The trade-off is that you're going to hear things occasionally that make you cringe. I'm not ready to turn in our freedom of speech just so I don't have to hear things that make me uncomfortable. And you shouldn't be either. So I don't know. I'm on the fence about this specific one, but I'm generally against censorship of any kind unless it is specifically and directly calling for violence. But because there's that shade of gray with what Trump did here, did he call for violence? It's hard. What do you think, Jay? Yeah, look, this is difficult. You said it. Bottom line, I believe like you do, private sector entities should be able to do what they want. It's a free country. These companies are not government owned. Therefore, they can do this. Do I think it's right for them to restrict information? As we've said before, no, I do not. Now, look, there are plenty of other people on the platform that would seek to incite violence directly or otherwise. Obviously, they are not the president, and that's the big difference here. But they are still on the platform, and I'm sure not kicked off. Now, that's a dangerous precedent to set. You have to, you know, you either decide on something and do it site-wide or don't. That being said, like I said, you know, these companies get to dictate where the line is for them. They drew the line here. I think it's wrong. Yeah, as we've talked about before, we this was on our episode. I read it on Facebook, whatever mm-hmm. number that is. 
you know, we, we implored you guys to, to help us out with this question. Some of you did, some of you didn't. Um, <laughs> but uh, we're, we're definitely going to be talking about this a lot because as I said back then, I, I, I think it still it holds true away. today. Yeah. It's not going away. And I think it's, it, I really do think this is one of the most important issues of our generation. Mm-hmm. It, it is such a big thing because these social media companies have so much influence over our lives. And this ain't going any the 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 right is very pissed off. They even the one even people who who panned what Trump did are very upset over Facebook taking this step because uh, a lot of people see it as a first amendment violation. Um again, I'm very much on the fence because I'm I personally think he was inciting violence and that is a crime. So, uh, you know, I don't know. It's something that we're going to have to keep coming back to and talk yeah. about. Yeah. Give us your opinion if you have one that's different from our own. Please do. So uh, one thing I forgot to tell you, Jay. Mm-hmm. Happy New Year. Oh, yeah. Happy New Year, Riz. So we, were, a, we were planning on... start ha- off 2020. I know, right? We were planning on having a big New Year bash for this episode. This was going to be a great episode uh, where we were actually... It's going to be kind of light. We we're going to talk about some higher brow things and yeah. not such a heavy subject. Unfortunately, Would've that didn't fun. happen. Would have we'll been fun. Know. We are naming this episode, episode X. We're not going to put a number on it. And maybe that's to... Uh, to you know, spe- to, to show the significance of this day and, yeah. or yesterday and this episode. And so we could always come back and be like, remember, that's when that happened. That was episode X, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we will be back next week, hopefully with a lot more lighthearted content and more um, discourse that is measured and everything you have uh, come to expect from the down the middle squad. We're sorry that this had to be the first episode of the year. We have a lot of things in store for you this year, including some formatting changes that we're going to talk about next week. Obviously not the length of the show, not the length of the show, (laughs) according to this one, but we're going to uh, make some things a little more succinct. We'll, we'll talk about that more this week. You've heard enough today. Uh, Guys, so sorry that we all had to endure this. Jay, you yep. have anything to say? No, thanks, guys, for for listening in. Thanks for asking for to hear our opinions on this. We hope we didn't let you down, um, and we'll see you next week. And as always, please chime in if you uh, have anything else to add, things we didn't get to, questions you have. We will always answer them. We will always love to engage with you guys. Yep. And that's it. We're not going to give you any outro music, anything. We are just going to fade away like we were hoping <laughs> so 2020 <dramatic>. was going to do. <laughs> See you guys. Bye. Bye.